0: Welcome to episode 13 of Shifty Perspective. Today, we have a special episode with two different guests. In this episode, we cover the topic of drugs and the debate surrounding the existence of illegal drugs. We talk to PhD candidate and drug policy activist, Alexi Hoopley, and UK lawyer, Darrell Bickler, in the hope of shedding light on this often divisive topic. if you'd like to go first.
1: All right. So, hi, my name is indeed Alexi Hoekhly. I'm a Finnish PhD student in sociology. Uh, finishing my PhD at the moment at the University of Thambere, which is back home in Finland. Although at the moment, I am doing this podcast at my friend's uh, place uh, in the middle of Holland, the Green Heart of Holland, um, at the Lake of Joy. This, um, I mean, my friend has this place, I could sort of describe it as a psychedelic bed and breakfast, kind of, um, taking a little break, a uh, holiday from uh, from my PhD and other sort of uh, drug policy action that I've been doing. I'm part of a, a legalised um, organisation here in the Netherlands, which is trying to create debate about drug policy, and I'm also a board member of the Finnish Association for Humane Drug uh, policy and also a few other sort of academic um, institutions. So those are some of the hats that I have uh, and try to bring into this discussion. I've been sort of studying drugs and drug policy for the last 10 years from a
0: sociological and medical anthropological perspective. Brilliant. That sounds uh, yeah very interesting and uh, sounds like you've got a lot on your plate. You're doing so many different projects and and so many different uh, groups that you're involved with. It's, yeah, yeah. Sounds very, very overwhelming almost. That's why I'm taking a
1: bit of a break as well, but I'm happy to oh, be perfect. part of a shifted perspective, of course, on this sunny Sunday.
0: Brilliant. Glad to have you. And uh, Daryl, what about you? Would you like to introduce yourself as well, please?
2: Well, I'm sort of... Uh... Rapidly uh, calming down, having had the sort of the IT panic this morning, so I'm just nicely calming down, having uh, not uh, indulged myself in a lot of meetings recently, everything needs resetting, so just getting into the uh, feel of things, and I'll let everybody know my background is that I'm uh, a qualified UK lawyer, and I got really interested in, in drug policy because... I was lucky to meet a Casey Hardison, uh, who was imprisoned in the UK. And if you don't know Casey, he was a guy who um, manufactured LSD and other psychedelics in Britain. And uh, unfortunately, he got caught. But fortunate for me, I I got to meet him and he he revolutionized the way I thought about the law. So I started to work with the law differently after I I met him. And uh, that has led me. On my path, an obsessive path, if you I, I admit it, to uh, try to set the world on fire with his idea that he launched with me, and we thought it through. But it was an incredible insight, this sort of uh, meeting that we got, and how how uh, we start to understand the law. And I, I was I was uh, overwhelmed by that experience, and this has lasted 15 years or more.
0: Well, so what was your experience, uh, your experiences before you met him? How did you kind of, what did, how did you look at psychedelics and, and drugs and legalization and criminalization before?
2: Well, uh, I, I was always interested in, uh, I'd, uh, uh, recently, uh, been to Peru, be, um, be, be, uh, before, uh, I met Casey and, uh, I'd, uh, tried ayahuasca for the first time. Great. I'd, uh. I'd been representing people um, from my own paradigm with, uh, before that in, in courts um, and working on Crown Court cases uh, with instructed uh, barristers. As I was working as a solicitor at that time. Later on, mm-hmm. I actually ended up having more uh, contact in the courts because uh, I was working uh, pro bono and acting as a McKenzie friend uh, for uh, defendants with, who had uh, 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 drug charges laid against them. And that was, uh, in, enabled me to get myself uh, up to the High Court um, and speak to uh, High Court judges about uh, the, the law and, and, and how it, uh, how it de- had developed um, as a irrational response to the legislation, how the administration of law, this was what I was starting to understand. It was not, the law is not the law. The law is a, a set of principles enshrined within legislations um, to allow uh, governments to to work with, with an act of parliament and administer it in order to, um, to give effect to the true meaning of the law, the common law and the principles of human rights. They all have to work into uh, how an, a law operates. Uh, it isn't just the law, The law, and this is obviously like... Public law, administrative law, and it's it's just not really working. It's uh, it's not powerful enough in the drug policy field because the kind of work that uh, people uh, have been doing is not uh, incisive. It's based upon uh, misconstructions of the law in the way that that we we want to uh, we've been led to un- to understand it. Really, it's that everything that we we think we know we don't know. It's just. Uh, mind-boggling realization that the whole way of thinking about uh, drug legality and legalizations it, it's uh, it, it's it's just an illusion it doesn't exist in law and uh, Is this
0: something that you are on your own uh in the uk really as a, as a lawyer that I, on in this site kind of things or have you started to get support and there's other people
2: that you yeah well i just uh, i'm sorry Start off as a bit of uh, a rant. Didn't really answer all your questions, but maybe it's That's better okay. to let it go that way. Because oh
0: no, no, it's, it's um, fine. We're just yeah.
2: We're, we're well, going back and forth. there's no format. Yeah. <sighs> Could you repeat your question, please?
0: Um, are there other? Uh, do you find yourself alone? Um, yes. In, in um, the UK,
2: it's 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 been a very uh, difficult experience. Ash, I can tell you that. Uh, I know um, that this is something that's very very important and it seems to be very easy for me to understand it now it took me a long time to understand it but mm-hmm. now i understand it a few other people seem to understand it
0: yeah.
2: but it seems to be uh, too simple to understand in a way and yes um there, 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 there are no lawyers i mean i have lawyers agree with me i mean you know rudy forts and queen's council mm-hmm. who's Working with the Conservative uh, policy group and sits on non- numerous committees of, and authority on drug law, you know, private correspondence for me, says, Yeah, you're absolutely right uh, about, about what you say about the law. And it's, I, I, I wouldn't be doing it for 15 years. I mean, I, I, if, if I, I didn't know that what I was saying was right, it, and people know it's right on, on a n- number of levels. I know this idea of uh, sort of claiming to have the truth. Uh, it, it's problematic. It is very problematic because it makes one look like uh, a nutter. But what we've got mm-hmm. here is, is is a crossover of of, of constructs that apply linguistically, legal, legally, philosophically. They yeah. all fit the paradigm that um, that Casey unpicked uh, uh, and that uh, I, I've worked with ever since. They, they all fit that. So it has to be right. But for some reason. Um, people don't want to, to know. And I think maybe they find it challenging or they find it um, uh, against some other interest that they think that I'm saying something that mm-hmm. is gonna damage their their interest. Alexei, what do you
0: think, from a sociological perspective, is this something that you kind of experience? Uh, yeah, that people are just switched off to this and you really are just like fighting to show someone something that's actually so simple really? Or-
1: Well, I mean, um, I started sort of my interest into drug policy from a social perspective, looking at uh, the political discourse in Finland about 10 years ago, Um, there was a bit of a debate whether women that are pregnant and that are um, diagnosed as having substance abuse problems should be treated against their will, so enforced treatment to protect the, the fetal health of the unborn unborn child. And a lot of politicians use this very moralistic, but also sort of scientific discourse of like, we should do this because we have this a, a massive problem. And there's so many um, uh, children being born with uh, fetal alcohol syndrome and those types, of, those types of things. So they really use this sort of scientific language, although it is sort of this sort of legal questions about uh, whose rights are there that we need to protect. Is it the unborn child or is it the actual individual rights of the adult woman? Um, and this is sort of a, a approach to this issue that in, in Nordic countries, for instance, uh, Norway and Sweden, they technically have a law that does allow some form of uh, treatment against the, the will of the pregnant woman if they are indeed diagnosed. Uh, but in Finland, it, it did sort of cause a bit of a debate about, indeed, whose rights we need to uh, uphold in this situation. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it, and it's a complicated issue. I mean, like you can have a, a best intentions of a policy, but in in real life, it might actually mean that the women do not come to uh, you know pre, prenatal services that are free in Finland because they will be afraid of being. Uh, committed of a crime or treated against their will. So it might not actually have the effect that the policymakers were planning on having, but it never actually came to be a law in Finland uh, at that point. And I did my bachelor and master's thesis on this topic and moved to the Netherlands to look at what's the situation here in the Netherlands, mm-hmm. which is sort of known to be quite liberal in drug policies. How do they deal with this issue? of uh, pregnant women with mm-hmm. substance abuse disorders, but I never actually got to really looking into that because one of the first lectures that we had, there was something that mm-hmm. caught my attention, which was uh, cognitive enhancement or chemical enhancement. So sort of the positive side of drugs, which is often also not really discussed in, in, in drug policy discussions. Like people don't use drugs for the harms of them. They use it for whatever benefit that they seem. To be yeah. getting from it, but that's sort of very often left out because the focus is on sort of on the harms of the of the truck. So I've been trying to sort of balance between these two these two, like there's, there's harms and there's benefits, and somewhere in the middle there's policy makers. And uh like you to find
0: that both together.
2: oh yeah, of course, yeah. Um it's interesting the construct that we're using of rights, and uh I'm not gonna sort of uh, to disagree with anything that Alexis is saying, except that I'm, in my interest in language and law, um, I'm quite keen to differentiate between the rights of the uh, unborn child and the, the rights of, of the mother, in yeah. terms of the way that we describe it. Now, I know there's qualitative differences, it, 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 we could have a, a discussion. So I'm not saying that my uh, rights analysis trumps whatever qualitative values that you might attribute to the unborn child. But in terms of rights, I think we have to uh, respect them and uh, try to rescue them, actually, because the meaning of the word has become a a little bit degraded, in in my view, certainly in terms of what civil rights classically meant. And civil rights are to do with um, freedoms that you can have from the state, which is exercised as an adult, an autonomous citizen. Yes. And the sentiment that we feel for the unborn child, whether it be totally uh, valid uh, and, and a, a deeply held religious belief or uh, something that is, is truly meaningful. Uh, nevertheless, the child can't exercise, or the fetal, I shouldn't say child, sorry, that's completely wrong for this example, uh, the fetus uh, uh, cannot exercise rights. So we have an, a, a lobby group or an interested adult who would try to exercise rights on behalf of the unborn fetus. Now, you might say that Very what's true. the difference, but... In terms of agency and power you can see it doesn't lie with the fetus it may lie in the fetal interest but it isn't the right of the fetus it's just an interest society would like to respect so it's a protection so um, when i'm uh, using the word rights and drug policy uh, i I don't sort of talk about the rights in any other way except that they are uh, adult freedoms from intervention real liberties like uh, freedom of expression, or freedom of choice uh, to use substances. Now, would you
0: say as well, the freedom of uh, the freedom to not be incarcerated for uh, selling of substances as well? Is that um, or are you just talking about the freedom of users in people to use in general? Well,
2: it's really a a sort of an aspiration towards um, a cognitive liberty, which is not to be sort of a lab rat in somebody's huge experiment about what molecule can be create your way of thinking or trigger some modality of being because, you know, that's the way Mm -hmm. I see it as a censorship. That's what they're they're doing with words. And uh, we have an adult right to to, to cognitive liberty. To uh, I thought you were going to say, right, not to be forced to do that. Yeah, of Mm -hmm. course it works both ways. You have to have a a right to expand into the space and become it because it is us, it's you, it's a biochemical continuum and we've been, sort of restrained into a little cocoon, really, by words, by laws that say, well, your permeability to this other is being restricted. And that is what I'm saying. Rights can't even exist truly at this moment because what we are, literally, socially and biochemically, is being defined by drug law, which says, well, you know, this whole material of reality that makes thought and makes the way we can see ourselves and uh, our environments it isn't what is it's what we say it is we're going to ch- cut out huge chunks mm-hmm. of reality and so it's a right to exist uh, biochemically and of course socially because those laws socially define us when they could please can come a- and do something and really protect att- those rights and not talk about like the, the rights of trees or the rights or, 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 of any other entity that, than adult human beings because whatever the merits of, of those sentiments are uh, to protect uh, nature or, or something which is divisive. I mean, we have to, we can't just talk about sort of gender-specific rights, that all rights, true rights are universal. Otherwise, we're talking about something else, something like a protection or an entitlement. That's, that's, I think it's a good rule of thumb just to differentiate what we're talking about. Are we actually talking about something which gives us power and freedom? Or are we talking about something which gives us reliance uh, on the state and only applies to some people because they need it, because they're victims or because they're a mm-hmm. certain color allegedly or a certain gender allegedly that they need something specific. So I'm getting right into the core. That it has to be the conversation has to focus on genuine universal rights if we're ever going to get out of this mess.
0: Yeah. Yeah, of course, Alexey.
1: Just to add, I think this is, I, at least in my mind, I sort of put this quote to the mouth of uh, Professor David not like, as Daryl mentioned, cognitive liberty. Uh, and it is sort of a cognitive liberty issue. And if we don't have cognitive liberty to for our own brain and cognition and alter it, whether, whether means we find sort of uh, beneficial for ourselves, then what kind of other liberties can we expect to have if we don't even have that
0: as a, as a starting point. Would the defense of that be that those, the harms outweigh those potential benefits of the cognitive liberty and by giving people that access, then you're gonna create more societal harm? I mean, I, I know like I've heard of in a lot of drug cases, people getting charged with, um, uh, what I can't remember the name, uh, the exact term, but it's you know, essentially damaging society. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, there's arguments that I mean, then if, if we follow that, then alcohol and tobacco and those kinds of, of legal substances should not be legal. If that's the sort of the sort of the premise that we put drug mm-hmm. policy on, and then also, how does it help the user in any way? If okay, if this harms of the substance itself, but then the additional harm of you might get indeed prosecuted and maybe even sent to prison and like a lose hour, your house, lose alcohol, your job. And,
2: yeah. I have to. I have to say something uh, following from the, the conversation with David Nutt because uh, he does write about about the problem uh, extensively, uh, and it's the problem of the hot air in uh-huh. drug policy. And he talks about legal and illegal drugs without the hot air. Mm-hmm. And I have yeah. to um, be be blunt. I have to be blunt. And I'll say this: is that I get a lot of stick. So it's not very professional to uh, to criticise somebody or to you know. Just to say it's wrong, but this is a very important game, and it's it's to do with our existence. And sometimes we have to, like a professional, such a you have to tackle it. We have to tackle people who are making a, a, a very dangerous world for us because they are the official spokespeople, and if they lead us down the garden path, that isn't nice. And rather than just saying, "Well, you, you know, my humble opinion," uh, we have to say, well, you know, you have to tackle that. You know, it's like a, a, it's a sport, a professional sport. It's not anything more than trying to survive and to to knock that back because people are very, very wary nowadays of criticizing or or or, or getting, um, not being in an in an echo chamber because we're all, yeah. all on it together. And I'm sorry, but what what uh, Alexei is saying, and and I don't want him to, to, to feel any kind of upset because this is. Well, I'm fighting against the phenomena, the whole phenomena of of people being led to believe that, that that anything that was happening in that conversation could actually happen in that way because there is there is no legality, there is no legality in, in drugs, no illegality in drugs. We can't legalize drugs. We can't talk about illegal drugs. Talking about illegal drugs is the single most terribly offensive, dehumanizing enslaving concept, you know, people are so worried nowadays about, about offending people with, with, with isms, but they just freely talk about legalizing drugs and decriminalizing drugs as if it doesn't matter. This is, those drugs only exist as part of reality we are those drugs we we, we 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 are permeable to those drugs those drugs don't have legal status for any reason they can't in law they just cannot have legal status the only thing that can have legal status is us we can we can act legally or we can act illegally and there's a huge difference between saying it's these drugs are illegal and we're acting illegally in this case Because our actions can be controlled by and and, and judged through their agency and their merits. That's what the misuse of drugs sets out to do. It judges human action. As soon as you believe that you can legalise drugs or you can talk about illegal and legal drugs without hot air, you're completely lost. It means nothing. It means nothing. And it's really, really dangerous thinking, I have to say. And I know it just slips off the tongue because we're so used to talking about it all the time. So I don't want to be like, uh, with you, but I, I, this is important i have to tackle you for saying that alexi i have to tackle do it even do though you know you, you, that, you're though. doing so much more than me you're doing everything you know i, res- I have respect for you but i have to tackle you now they <laughs> so don't think about what i'm saying you can't say like you know I, it, we're going to legalize drugs because what we're doing is we're abstracting our agency out of the, 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 the conversation. We're completely missing all the nuances of regulating people's actions. And yeah. we're buying into this binary system that it serves the elite completely that you've got your legal and illegal drugs. So, you know, for some reason, alcohol isn't controlled. It's not even alcohol not being controlled. It's how you are controlled. It's how you are controlled. They say, you know, you get, you know, allowing alcohol into you, but it isn't alcohol, it's not about excluding alcohol, it's about excluding people concerned with alcohol or the, the concept of alcohol out of the Misuse of Drugs Act. And it, well, it, it isn't, it should be there. When, when he talks about legal drugs, it's almost as if he believes, and he used to show this in a Venn diagram, he used to have a Venn diagram with like, the Misuse of Drugs Act here and then alcohol and tobacco somewhere else on the other side. And it, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. Okay, could I just do a camera test a second? Because I wanted you to, to yep. try this. Um, right? Does this make sense? You can see that. Can yeah. you read that? So when I've just got, If I do this, can you still read it? Yeah. No. And, but if you look at me now and me now, you, you, you accept it's both me. Nobody's going to argue with that. I, it wasn't me making a mess of the intro at this program, just babbling on for 10 minutes. <laughs> i'm sorry but it wasn't me it, it was it was him it was this guy over here right and you, you wouldn't argue about it and it's the same thing with this illegal drugs thing you think it's the same thing it, you think it's the same thing because something that we call a transferred epithet A transferred epithet is a figure of speech which shortens it so otherwise english would be or any language would become completely impossible to understand it would take ages to say it wouldn't be possible to understand rather it would take ages so instead of saying walking stick you'd have to say this is a a, a stick designed for helping a person walk because the stick cannot walk so we give the agency to the stick and we do it all the time and it doesn't matter except when you're describing yourself in biochemical Uh and legal reality because then you switch it you switch the subject and the object you didn't notice for the same reason you didn't care which way around this camera was you didn't care because it means the same thing to you because you're conditioned to believe that a drug which is illegal to possess without license, authority, or exemption is the same as an illegal drug. That's the thing. You switched it so the drug takes the legality out of your action. A, dr- a drug which is illegal to possess or sell, as you asked me before, sorry, I forgot all about the question, or sell, <laughs> as you said before, without license, license, authority, yeah. or, so you can have a seller's license so a drug is not an illegal drug. It's a controlled drug. It's a drug which you are subject to controls. It's not really the drug which is controlled. That's another transferred epithet where we switch to make it shorter. So we don't have to say it's a drug which activities regarding it are controlled and regulated. So would, would say you say... It's a say controlled drug. But we the control should be... is... Sorry.
0: Oh, sorry. Uh, would you say we should be saying... A control drug over illegal drugs and
2: we that's well important. definitely not illegal drugs controlled drugs is slightly problematic because it, it opens a conversation first of all you could say well it's an oxymoron because we've clearly lost control of controlled right. drugs now if you yeah. really want to explain it controlled drug it's not the verb to control like the judges misinterpreted this was something that actually got me in with casey because i had previously been uh, mentioning. I, mean, I think you tried to tease this out me at the beginning, but I was, uh, uh, I was still in a in in tech uh, situation that um, I had contributed to a case where they looked at this idea of preparation of controlled drugs, and my name came in the judgment. It was to do with San Pedro cacti and, and ayahuasca, and mm-hmm. basically the law had been extended to include these non-scheduled uh, uh, plants. They ended up becoming drugs because they said that we prepared them the verb preparation means that you prepare them and therefore like your hand of man tests Poor consumption things, it becomes uh it becomes a drug when it's only a plant and i said well this can't be right because a preparation isn't isn't doesn't mean to prepare it means it's a uh, it's a noun it's not um a verb but, um it's a noun adjective plus noun a preparation of control drugs so it was um <laughs> it was uh, a completely a reversal done in language again and th- these concepts have to be looked at very closely about what they were but casey noticed that and that's when he uh he contacted me actually i've just re- um put that in at the beginning now <laughs>
0: how, how do you find that uh arguing the essentially uh, it down to the names how, how does that get met in court
2: um you know what? well there is there is a significance to it you see because uh what the the, the 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 issue is is, how, is not, you know, what does sorry. The, the issue is is how do we administer a neutral act of parliament, which is ostensibly there, its purposes are there, which are to protect society, or to ameliate the uh, conse- negative consequences of, of drug misuse. And it does say drug misuse. It doesn't say uh, some drug misuse, and it doesn't say uh, drug use. You know so it's mm-hmm. it's it's misuse. the misuse of drugs yeah. all drugs and yet they managed to come up with this legal illegal stuff that have, you know will, will never drop that somehow um people concerned with alcohol are, are exempt is this the same everywhere i mean like in is
0: this in finland or in the netherlands like you where you are now alexi well, or, mm-hmm. or is this just like is is the law that uh daryl's talking about based just about is it crown law you know and is that unique to the uk does the uk have a special way of wording things which doesn't make sense
1: um i just want to sort of point that i've had the privilege of uh, hearing uh this sort of argument from daryl earlier and i do really appreciate and sort of respect that indeed there's no such thing as illegal or illegal drugs it's not mm-hmm. something that the substance itself has as a as a quality. Is this it is, it is yeah. legalized or illegalized. It's a, an action that we've done around that around that substance and it doesn't really tell anything about the yeah. sort of properties of, of the chemical. And I, I think in Finnish language in particular, I mean drugs in English can mean medicine, or so it can mean mm-hmm. other substances. Like it's a bit vague term in itself. But in Finland there's even more sort of a very categorical division between a medicine which is lag and a drug or a narcotic which is um, and like some stuff are put under this category of bad narcotic and some of them are put on this good medicine although we know that both can be used for good interchangeable or bad. yeah exactly like they can be enhancing or they can be detrimental depending how you use them and in what situation
0: okay do you find that it does come down to it often that in the details of the law, what in court cases, it, it is the arguments of the words as such, or you know, like the semantics of it, or uh, is can you kind of brush that aside and even counter it on a I, I guess like a ethical on a sociological level, and uh, you know, go go even further and say, okay, well, you know, forget about how you label these. Whether whether it is illegal or not, you know, we need to tackle the fact that these things have benefits. That there are that we're wrong in our in our thought process on all of this.
2: I, I think that um, it's a, the courts have have have, have not listened uh, to what I've said because they have uh, again they played games with us at the High Court and unfortunately uh, we didn't get the arguments uh, fully uh, listened to because the parties to the actions were, were tampered with but uh in terms of, it's a reversal again they did yes the, the, all the all the, the weight of arguments about cognitive liberty and all the different human rights they, they should all come through what i'm saying is is that we're actually making ourselves invisible those arguments are never heard about privacy and, and, and property and uh article nine for, for freedom of thought And the proportionality of interference, because it has always been sort of looked at that it is illegal rather than this idea that we are supposed to be making controls that that regulate people to achieve uh, a a, a reasonable purpose, which is not to uh, stop all drug use, but to uh, just address and deal with. Uh, drug misuse that causes social problems. So yes, it's it's fine to argue for all of those those benefits that we might get out of uh, positive uses of drugs, mm-hmm. but we have to do it through the, the right paradigm because as soon as we believe that we're actually arguing a, a specific case for a specific use of a specific product, we're, we're, we're really missing uh, what this is about because this has to be about the general principle of whether we have any autonomy in uh, respect of uh, what we take into our bodies as, as just beings. And we either sort of grasp that very basic nettle or we sort of flap about saying, well, these people could get some benefit out of some molecules sometimes. Isn't that a good idea? Isn't that the thin end of the wedge that will get us to where we want to go? But it won't because it's not basing the argument on strength, but on uh, divisions, entitlements, acute needs, and saying, well, you know, we are... Um, at, we're victims who, who who need help in this case to recognize our needs. Will you please give it to us? And mm. it doesn't actually, they, they just get kicked back in the teeth nearly every time. Uh, and even if there's a tiny, tiny, tiny victory for some child to have medical cannabis at some point, it doesn't actually open any doorway apart from just this idea that, oh, you know, some very vulnerable, vulnerable people out there that perhaps, you know, we could just not kick their teeth in every five minutes for taking cannabis. But it doesn't open the door to this idea of how are we regulating ourselves in the through law? How, how does the law regulate us? And at the moment, it's doing it like we are slaves because we're beholden to this idea of that the state can control objects, that they can mm-hmm. control reality. And it isn't what the social contract's about in law. The social contract is about controlling le- legal subjects are beholden to a, uh, a law which is, is subject to all the common law principles, human rights principles, and all the other recognitions that we could have, except we're just invisible to it because they've managed to reverse everything in language and make us think that they could make drugs illegal. And we believe it and it's yeah do the courts take any notice they yeah, will so when we understand yeah. it when people <laughs> understand it they, they they will take notice because the government is duty bound to administer a neutral law so like we we're saying before you know this is the normal thing why alcohol and tobacco excluded well they're legal drugs you know this is what they're saying they're legal drugs and uh, we've got cultural preferences for them and other things which are not valid in terms of administration of law. So there is a legal argument. It just needs to be understood. The legal argument is, is that we have a neutral act of parliament that regulates people and we're administering it in a, in a, in a way which is entirely delu- an illusion and we believe it because we believe these shortcuts in language bare equivalence to what legal reality is, that illegal drugs are the same thing as drugs which are illegal to possess without license, authority, or exemption. And it's that license, authority, exemption that's not happening, and that, is, that was opened up, not just for Alfie Dingle or someone who needs a medical cannabis, but the whole principle is that we are people who should be regulated in a way which uh, minimalizes social harm. And we can only think, do that through controls, not by believing in an illegal drug. Sorry, I'm hammering it now. I
0: I, I agree with what you're saying, but like I honestly think that most people don't care enough about it or think enough about it, and maybe not caring, or they don't consider the depth of it uh, until they're in a position where, for example, they are caught with drugs and then they have to go to court with it. And then in that case... At that point, I can't see them necessarily using you, what your defense uh, because they're at the point where there's just the societal pressure and the yeah. forces i wouldn't suggest anybody i don't want to suggest
2: anybody does that as a defense right now what i'm okay. saying is, is that <laughs> it's a principle that needs to come into drug policy that instead of talking about legalizing yeah. illegal drugs we need to blow it up because this language this understanding actually opens up the very thing that they claim they want which is to the yeah. uh, blueprint for regulation transports trans transforms blueprint for regulation is what they want and we can only regulate a contract people regarding controlled drugs. You can't regulate Mm -hmm. illegal drugs because it's completely dehumanizing um, binary. You can't, there's no space for regulation in that language. And the language shapes reality, not just in everyday conversation, but in law, it is the reality. As soon as you create Mm -hmm. an illegal drug in law, you're finished, it doesn't exist in law. As soon as you create it, then you are finished. That is the bottom line. Don't create it. Don't bring it into being because it is a very different construct to what we should be talking about, which are the rights of the individual. There can be yep. no other conversation. we sort of talk about the, the, the status of drugs. We're finished. We'll never just regulating managing lists of, 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 of molecules. No, we have to talk about what when should the law intervene in people's lives and why should it control our biological uh, social makeup in the way that the Misuse of Drugs Act is doing, the way that it's being administered. So the Misuse of Drugs Act is perfect. It's just the way it's being misunderstood. It's being operated backwards.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I've, I've got Alex, Alexi here, I think wants to add something to this as well.
1: Yeah, uh, I have a, a chapter in my PhD, which is hopefully uh, coming out end of this year. It's sort of mm-hmm. a theoretical framework where I try to go beyond the sort of dichotomy or division between legal medicines and illegal or illegalized drugs and just sort of frame both both of them as technologies or pharmacological Mm. neurotechnologies. I sort of get inspiration from science and technology studies and something that anthropology and pharmaceuticals have been looking at, at, that these are indeed sort of molecules, things that have their own sort of social lives and they have sort of agency. And I mean, they are technologies that humanity has used for millennia, I mean, they've been probably part of our co-evolution, uh, one way or another, mm-hmm. and uh, it is sort of it can sort of link drugs into that wider technological sort of discussion that we have um, at the moment from. You know deep brain stimulation like literally opening somebody's skull and putting mm. a little device in there you, yeah
2: cognitive yeah. liberty would would also take that kind of thing on board i think wouldn't it like yeah. if you could get a right to cognitive liberty you'd have a right not to be given treatment
1: yeah that that indeed as well like it's not just that, that i have a right to use something but also i have a right to refuse yes um
2: to taking
1: certain certain su- substances uh, I mean, it's. It, I don't think it's going to hold in court, like uh, you know, going there and saying like I'm. I'm just using this technology, um, but it is sort of a way of thinking about all of these in the same kind of framework, which hopefully would kind of get us beyond that uh, division. But I'm. I'd be very happy to get some comments from uh, from Daryl and, and, and then. I think well.
2: society has has to lead there, Alexei. You know, it, it, it's. I've I've, I've turned, tried to do this in court and. I was you know complaining that they they, mm-hmm. they messed up the case for me and uh they threatened me that if i ever did it again um in high court they would make me pay for all these hearings uh all the charges for all the, the, the things and they would like they take take my own home off me and everything
0: who said this,
2: this uh this is the high court, the in high the judgment. court said this. yeah they said they didn't want to hear it again and that's because i exposed the fact that they had um, played with the papers in the first case. So in the first hearing they, they, they misrepresented the case in, this, in a special uh, civil servant administrative court missive to the judges. So you have to understand that public law courts are actually operated by civil servants and yet public law courts are where you take the government to court for misadministering law. So I, here we are trying to say, look, the Home Office is not doing its, sorry, the Home Office is not doing its job. And we also judicially reviewed uh, the advisory council, the misuse of drugs, we reviewed them both to say why you're not bringing alcohol and tobacco users into the, the law, the neutral law, that's supposed to protect us. Why you're over-regulating controlled drug users and not making any controls and under-regulating uh-huh. those people. And we, we took those cases and they didn't like it. And mm-hmm. the civil servants, got government people who work in the court who prepare the, 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 the uh, information for the uh, judges. And they prepared completely false information about our cases. So we lost it in front of Lord Justice Leveson. That was me on my feet having to do that for the first time in the High Court. And since then, they said, if I do it again, because I exposed it because they actually, by mistake, they sent me their private documents
0: yeah so you you then just had to just leave it <laughs> or well I, if i if post? i stand
2: up in court and say this and they don't get it i'm going to lose a lot of money that that's why i think the way forward is is not what the courts say but to get the public to understand mm-hmm. it because at the moment uh i just sound like a, a, a lunatic and i probably still do <laughs> this morning uh because you know it's too early for me to do it <laughs> <laughs> well i think it's
0: very important what you're doing but i really really think that uh what alexi people like alexi are doing where uh bringing such bring it to like the, the public discourse um or uh, kind of positive action which creates like the all of the different groups that you're involved with just bring so much attention I, I think through social media and things like that now is amazing you know you can actually have people that would never they probably wouldn't be interested in a discussion like this or hearing what you would say because it's very, I'd, very I'd technical. like to know
2: what Alexei would think from a sociological perspective, actually, about this closing of debate because it, I am being cancelled doing this, believe me. Um, and I said but this... You- yeah, I would like to know what, get what, why is council culture right? making one particular story that every single policy group, the new drug policy science group, transform, and all of the new books and all the initiatives are all saying the same paradigm about legal and illegal drugs, even though they don't exist. Why are people closing down debate rather than opening it up? I just don't get it. Do you Any thoughts, Alexi, please?
1: <laughs> Hard to say. I mean, it is maybe just so... Uh, So, in our culture, sort of have that division between, between, you know, illegal, legal, good, bad. I mean, it's sort of.
2: Now, I'm talking about the drug policy movement. Why is the drug policy movement becoming a homogenous, one-size-fits-all? This is our model for regulation. Everybody's got to get on the medical use of this, the the map stuff, the the, the psychiatric testing of veterans. It's one truth now that's come out, and anybody that steps outside that bubble is is cancelled. And I'm outside it, not because I don't believe in the work they're doing. It's because I don't like the way they describe it, because it makes it a lot more difficult to get real liberty. But you're not cancelled by them, but like, it's your—it's
0: more of the, like you said, the judges and the actual, the, the system that is already in place does, isn't giving you a voice, I, I mean. No,
2: but even, we've, got, we've, got to, we've got to start at the, the right debate into society and then it would have traction in court. Yeah. I can't start to be caught and say something that's never been said before.
0: I think starting it in multiple angles though, because yes, your side is correct, but also what, you know, having more things like maps and stuff like that and, and promoting kind of people getting education around the positive things associated with drugs is also, it can be done at the same time. It doesn't just have to be, okay, we're, we're just going to
2: focus on, on one aspect of this. I think that only having this umbrella. Only if we're cognizant of um, the framework we present that in. Because if we present it in a yeah. very victim led framework where the government can create illegal drugs and we want to tax and license drugs and we speak all the time in that paradigm. Where all the human qualities that we, because we can't do any of those things to judge really, we're taxing ourselves, we're controlling ourselves, we're restricting ourselves, we're licensing ourselves. Now, I you know, I, I would like in any organization to stop dehumanizing us while they're going for their little slice of, of, of the control, and they want a milk system to get uh, 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 some kind of uh, ability to, to offer some therapy or some product ahead of everybody else being able to use it freely. And that's supposed to be the slippery slope towards uh, liberate, liberation. I don't think so. I think they have to explain uh, what, what that uh, what they're doing in the correct paradigm. Because as soon starts, they start uh, dehumanizing us and, and inventing these quasi-legal constructs that don't exist. To, in order to, to keep their regulation space, I, it, it's it's not good enough. They have to be able to walk, work towards this idea that at core it is fundamentally a principle of existence that, that we can, we are entitled to be, um, to have access, even if it's regulated, we're all entitled. We're all mm-hmm. entitled to be human. It doesn't mean because you, you've got PTSD or any other descriptor, that you become more entitled to be human and, and exist in nature and, and uh, even with uh, synthetics, all part of the continuum of reality, is that we all have that, and we must maintain that we're not going to get through in little bits by saying that some people are more special in some way or more deserving than others we can only present our research about a particular group and saying well look how it benefits them not that these people should just have access it's that look there is a benefit to these drugs they are good therefore these goods are universal if it helps somebody who's been to vietnam it helps somebody that's not been to vietnam yeah now yeah. I mean, sorry
1: i think i mean the whole global anti drug war movement i mean it's not it's not unified it's not homogenous in the mm-hmm. in a sense that you can have indeed medical cannabis advocates who are you know very they don't like mm-hmm. other drug users or like you know they don't like to be associated with like psychedelics or other and in psychedelic, like, you know, like people might be like, you know, cannabis is uh, such a mild thing and doesn't really uh, give that much to our us anymore. So, like, even in that movement, there are these sort of um, separate sort of cliques. But it's 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 a you know it's it's in it's a battle that's been fought in many fronts. I guess you yeah, have local mm-hmm. local contexts and then the global international community that sort of comes together in Vienna and. Indeed, that sort of experience of going to the Commission on Narcotic Drugs and seeing how the scheduling is done, like there's a new substance, and they just declare that, okay, we're going to control this because it has no therapeutic value. That's not something that they've actually have even investigated at that point. And they say that it has a high potential of abuse because it resembles some of these older substances that were put in here 50 years ago. Therefore, oh. they must be similar, and they just sort of very unifiedly everybody votes yes when WHO, or World Health Organization, sort of. Votes. Were you
0: there observing this? I've uh, been, I've been going there since two thousand seventeen, basically every year, and sort of. Um, and you can sit in. Yeah, you you can sit in whilst this is happening, whilst the voting is happening, and. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm
1: part of the civil society, civil cool. society in that sense. It's kind of funny how also people are divided in there. You have the official government delegates who have a, a, a red pass and then you have the civil society that have a yellow pass and then few media people, but not much. I mean, it's a, it's, it's been also quite, um, extraordinary that this, these high level meetings happen every year twice a year but there's not really any media there to cover it and tell it to the public like hey this is going on for instance the cannabis vote that's supposed to happen already 2018 i think end of that year but has been now postponed 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 until so should happen in december this year but we'll see and what
0: will they be voting on the cannabis one uh unschedule it. it from one well yeah there's rescheduling and the whole sort of international scheduling
1: is also kind of very complex system Uh, and uh, WHO did a critical review on cannabis, something they haven't done since I think the 30s or the 50s, so it's been a while. And lo and behold, they discovered that, hey, cannabis has medical utility, so it should not be in the highest restriction, Mm -hmm. but then, of course cannabis is not the one thing, we have all those compounds in there and extracts and synthetic cannabinoids and cbg and and all that so like it's a complicated matter of course but uh it's not i mean drug policy has never been i guess about drugs themselves indeed it's about controlling people certain people yeah yeah uh, we
2: yeah we I just wanted to add, I'm not so unrealistic that I think that that uh, you know we can all just take any medicine at any time without. Yeah. There has to be regulation of the of the whole access of it. Uh, I agree, but the, the the principle always has to be undermining that that there is this wonderful idea of of liberty to explore that it, that, that we facilitate it in a way which is, gives people complete choice. Mm-hmm. rather than say well you know it's it, it, yes cannabis medication i'm not disagreeing with with, with any of that it it's it all has to be done from from a, a positive angle that um where does the regulation for medicine necessarily start and here we're dealing with the power of doctors really wanted to maintain these prescribing rights and, and and their control over drugs you know because it's we're really talking about everything a medicines, not not really drugs. pharmaceuticals
0: got, as well Yeah,
2: we've got such problems with the word drugs because It's misused to mean illegal drugs, which means controlled drugs, which means drugs which are controlled without license or, sorry, people who are being controlled. So there's all these sort of levels of of language, and really, if we're going to sort of move towards medicines, I mean, I don't really want to sort of have a right to uh, prescribe myself absolutely everything because I think uh, there should be some oversight. There should be Mm -hmm. some oversight uh, in that, but always cognizant of that principle that an autonomous adult um can be you know suitably educated in a society whereby their choices are reasonably rational but we have some kind of regulatory provision to stop the abuse That's why they started uh, with regulating people regarding opium really because they just knew you know that was the first drug laws were really about opium uh well poor people or other people using opium i should say the laws are always about people not not opium but and in fact, <laughs> curiously enough, it's the only drug which is illegal to use in Britain is opium. It's the only drug. People say when I tell them drugs are not illegal, they always say, "Oh well, you mean using drugs is illegal?" I said, "No, no, it's not. It's a, it, the only drug which is illegal to use is actually opium," and the, and that's because what we we're saying before about the misuse. It's all about misuse. So huh. we, we, if we're not going to, you know, we only target misuse. That, that is the key. Whereas we all accept that we've got a propensity towards addictive um aspects of personality to 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 abuse stuff Um, again it's another word i don't know if if alexi thinks about the the constructs of addiction but i I, i'm always trying to rescue agency if you there's a a theme to what i'm saying is that i'm always trying to to suggest that the human uh, has power over the object Whereas addiction sort of almost reverses that again. It's almost like the object has power over you, which of course it does in their law. Their law, they've made it illegal, which means that they took your power away and gave it to their substance. If you follow my chain of thinking there, it really, you know, so it starts in language. And how does somebody approach a drug? Well, if you approach it as an addict, you're already an addict to an illegal drug. You actually have destroyed with words, whatever you think you're saying, Those words represent something extremely dehumanizing that you have given your agency, literally and metaphorically, to the object because you believed that you were addicted, which is subservient to the object, and that the object took your legality. Addicted to an illegal drug has to be the most dehumanizing uh, construct possible and (laughs) self-perpetuating. I hope that makes sense because I think that sums up a lot of what I'm thinking. Mm.
1: And in, indeed, you... that sort of, uh, sorry. Oh, no, go on, please. Yeah, and indeed, that sort of chemical hook theory that, you know, you take one cannabis puff and you're addicted to heroin for the rest of your life. I mean, that's sort of the public perception of a lot of substances,
0: uh, unfortunately. Well, that is how uh, some people are taught.
2: I would say that's a perception about how people are thought of, Alexi. You see, yeah. they say, well, you know, you touch one thing and then you'll want to touch another. Yeah, That's, they're saying that you're weak, and and you could become, uh, we could become uh, Obvious. subservient to any anything because you've had one thing. But it's not really about the thing; it's still a judgment of us.
1: Yeah, yeah, indeed. And I mean, a lot of you know research says that you know ten percent might indeed eventually become habitual, maybe have a problematic relationship with a substance, but that leaves the other ninety percent. Um, fairly normal behaving people but also the the, uh, the rest of the 10 people you know we should not be putting them into prison and putting more harm in them we should help yeah. them and yeah. find that ways that sure. make, makes children resolve other...
2: lowest common denominator thinking sorry to, i just Lowest common denominator thinking about society there that because some people will misuse their liberty, nobody should have privacy on phones because pedophiles will be using them. It's sort of like this all the time. And yes, of course, you know, if the statistical dangers of drugs, of course, this is what the regulation of people is about is to make that less likely through Mm -hmm. those positive interventions that you facilitate to respect them as human beings. As soon as you know, you respect them as human beings, then you can engage with people about how uh, th- their drug use may affect society those 10% of people and of course that is a social construct in the sense that those harms that Alexis identify the 10% of the people those harms uh, are so clearly coming from, from uh, the way that uh, we access the substance and and, and uh, oh. you know the context of that
1: and in a, in a way i don't think Let's say the three of us were given free hands to sort of write new truck policy laws and, you know, just sort of make it in a way that people have access. And I mean, that can, can of course, then uh, increase certain problems that we don't really want to be increasing, partly because we don't have a culture of passing knowledge from, you know, elders to young young, young new users of doing these uh, in a in a sensible kind of way because of the taboo you're saying because the taboo i mean like there's not really passing knowledge in that sense unfortunately yet i mean there are of course the Mm. web is full of full of that kind of transformation of knowledge in, in a sense and i mean but we don't have really the structure so i don't think like even if we would go towards Let's call it legal regulation of, of all drugs. I mean, I think that has to come with a cultural change where we are indeed more open about the use and and the harms
2: and mm-hmm. the
0: benefits and how to sort of pass on that information to. Having a discussion is just so important. Absolutely.
2: Because so we regulate we regulate society's approach to the drug experience, of course, rather than look at the regulation of drugs. Mm-hmm. So we, we we have to have a mature d- d- discussion about that. And it is something which is, uh, is difficult because I mean, for example, you might think a mature thing to say is that children should be excluded uh, under 18s or under 21 should be excluded from you know, policy. But it may well uh, be quite a, a, an immature thing to say because actually the mature thing to say is is that human beings have um, a propensity we're permeable. We're, we're actually biologically wired that. And the only thing restricting that is social constructs, which are there for a reason to protect the, the development of children, so we have to do it from a purely uh, protective way with children, but understanding mm-hmm. that they also have um, the same uh, biology in terms of permeability to, to molecules, and 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 you know, they, they, they can, it may well that we have to be even more mature because if if we exclude uh, under sixteen or under eighteen from say cannabis uh, access, then the they'll, they'll, the very same harms that we're getting now, because people have to to buy uh, illegally. Um, Will manifest anyway. So the mature society debate about drugs is just what they do. They do for us, really. I mean, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and, and when is, and if it's a good idea, if it, you know, if a teenager can enjoy it in 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 a, in a safe way, uh you know, uh, why not? I mean, these are these are philosophical and moral questions that need to be asked. Yeah. Hmm. And I mean, uh, I'm, I'm
1: doing. I'm, I'm currently <laughs> currently uh, doing an external evaluation of this cannabis mini intervention project in Finland where they are indeed trying to approach young cannabis users not in a very moralistic kind of way and just just say no but indeed like ask them like hey why are you using cannabis and how much do you use and have you thought about you know just sort of going to that level and just sort of uh discussing it with the people that these policies are affecting and i really like the, i think it's sort of a, a quote from uh Canadian HIV network, like nothing about us without us. Like we need yes. to in, include the end users into this sort of policy discussion Lovely, yes.
2: and, and decision making. Yes, um, they, uh, I, I think I heard that in, uh, in Vancouver. That, that that idea that uh, there's a grassroots movement is really strong there, and that mm-hmm. you know. You know we have to respect that like, even the property uh, uh, and where we're having meetings is, uh, is, is is reclaimed land from from indigenous people and, and their practices must be respected can't just you know domineer the minds of people. this is what it's about respect for for, for the minds of all people
0: no. brilliant um we have actually hit an hour um so we've already gone quite a bit over um what we were uh, kind of scheduled to do. I mean, it's fairly open, but um, I'd love to actually continue this, um, get you guys back on again soon. Um, Like maybe if there's anything you want to uh, finish up or finalize or mention before and also give any shout outs to um, anything that you're working on. So I'll put up references and links to any projects that you're involved with um, if, you are, if you've got a few minutes to do that now, and then if you be at time in person in my uh, at the studio that we're setting up,
2: uh, who are you asking?
0: I'm asking both of you. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's an open offer to, to you uh, to you both to um, to do this uh, another time. Um, and obviously, it's easier for Alexi to come over because he's in the Netherlands. But um, you know, there there are a lot of uh, events related to this topic that I'm sure that you guys are gonna to start to see each other at a lot more probably. Um, uh, yeah, so it'd be great to do a, a longer session and
2: open up this a lot more. Could I just say, um, I don't uh, own my idea uh, at all. <laughs> and it is just something that is the same about, it's as much about me as about anybody else and vice versa. And if anybody wants to take this uh, little, logo uh, and to put on anything a t-shirt so they can run a business i don't mind whatever to promote that thank nice. you is that i'll send them that gif or you can just you know I, I, and let's actually try to rescue ourselves in language that's all i'm asking i'm not as, involved with um, with other projects until we get this language thing right because i actually found it quite painful to endure uh, a debate mm-hmm. that is is discussed about the most intimate, the most personal, the, mo- the most private of of our existence in such an abstracted form about yeah. you know the interest of uh, divisive, disparate groups, uh, you know talking about objects and 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 how good they are. But I have to please ask people to to, to understand this this paradigm and promote it and promote it. That's mm-hmm. all I'm asking um you know it's not mine you can it's 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 rescuing yourself as a part of the equation of life yeah just-
0: but you're the person uh who is actually putting it into very eloquent words and and uh, you know I, I saw your uh your talk at um which one was the last one that you did last year Thank you, compassion um, was it the Beckley? Yeah, I saw on YouTube um, a, a couple of your your speeches, and they were fantastic. So, you know, as a as a, you are essentially the, uh, becoming a voice for it, a spokesman for this. So even if it's not just your thing, you are a, a face, the face of this. Which Maybe is, well, I, I in
2: some sense, then I should be grateful that it, uh, <laughs> it's so weird that uh, you know I've, I, I picked up on it uh, that people will yeah. also recognize and say, "Well, Dal said that." Yeah, uh, uh, I just don't feel I've got any choice. I don't feel I've got any choice to, other than to say it. And, uh, I, you know, just, uh, like I say, it, I, I could disappear tomorrow. It'd still be just as true. And then, you, you know, it's just, just there. And, uh, I'm sorry if I come across like as bombastic about it. A man obsessed or, or, or not paying full attention to people he's met at conferences before because he's on such a mission to to see what, does this person understand what I'm talking about?
0: You're extremely <laughs> passionate about it. but It's,
2: it's admirable. You know? <laughs> That's it, it. I, I'm playing that, 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 that line for the moment. And it, it is, it is taking traction. People are beginning to understand that like the science committee chair, which I just informally just said, yeah, we've got, you know, I said, you've got to take a scientific view to what yep. you're doing. You can't just, you know, scientists, they, they have to follow codes of rules about, units and how we describe things we can't suddenly change mass into volume and we can't suddenly mm-hmm. create the illegal drugs out there you know respect the discipline of language and respect the discipline of law but when you do your stuff if you're going to be our spokespeople i'm just asking, as soon as they start doing it as soon as they get it this will take off and it will help forget about the courts right, right. now it will help right. because people will start to get a sense of real agency and we'll we'll stop all this government nonsense drugs are illegal because uh uh-uh. You're making us criminals because. Yeah. Yeah, making me be a criminal because. Alexei, how about you?
1: Well, I think uh, I share a similar addiction with Daryl to drug policy. So I'm addicted <laughs> to drug policy, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take a, a bit of a break and enjoy the summer. But uh, this Thursday, we are having a little... Documentary test previewing uh, at, in Amsterdam at the Breipaleis part of a, something called Dutch Drug Stories Photo Expo, organized by a puppy drugs museum project by Mainline. And we're previewing a uh, sort of a film about Franjo Grotenhermen, who's a, a medical cannabis doctor in Germany, one of the pioneers of medical cannabis. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's also a short animation about harm reduction in Russia, which is seems quite interesting. So that's this Thursday on the twenty third of July here in Amsterdam. Great. Other than that, uh, I have a little YouTube channel called Drug Ventures where I've been documenting uh, drugs and drug policy since two thousand and sixteen. Basically, all kinds of videos over there. If you want to go and 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 have a look, a few documentary projects on the way one of them called Rockstars of the Psychedelic Renaissance, where we've mm-hmm. gone nice. through different conferences, where I met Daryl as well. Unfortunately, I have not interviewed Daryl yet, but I think we should uh, arrange that at some point. Uh, and we've just asked all these sort of new scientists and old scientists of the Psychedelic Renaissance of like who they are, what they do, and what's their first or most significant psychedelic experience. It's been sort of part of this sort of idea, of, like we, we need to come out from this Use closet in a way and be open mm-hmm. about about these uh, experiences. And I've been very very uh, humbled about how many people have been willing to share that on on video as well. So looking forward to wrap up that project or just continue continue with it. Because I mean, even though this is psychedelic renaissance going in science and medical research, I mean we're not there yet. And I mean, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of ways that this can Still, sort of backfire, or, or I don't know that the, you know the powers that be will not allow it to happen. But indeed, it's such such a long history and of of this issue that it's not going to go away anytime soon. But uh, it's it's great to see that there's more more and more people joining the movement. And indeed, like this, you can contribute and support all kinds of other organizations if you're not close to one at wherever you are and, and discussions like this shifty perspective for instance uh, is a good way to sort of spread the word
0: yeah hopefully getting this out to people who may not have uh you know it, it like you said before the you, people get into these bubbles where you know you're kind of just in your own everyone you speak to is on your wavelength like in, in agreement with you so it's i'm trying to bring it out to people who maybe i'm not in this uh, you know in this field or interested in, or aware of certain things with drugs and any of the topics that we cover, just trying to really open it up to to everybody to realize that there are so many different perspectives and you know we live in our little bubbles and we, we need to break out of them now yeah. Thank you so much for your time guys um it's been brilliant very very it's uh admiral uh, your passion both of you is uh, is inspiring uh, thank you for for joining me and I'd love to do it again. And I'm sure we've got, there's definitely a lot more to talk about. I feel this that flew by really fast. Yeah. So yes. you have been listening to Shifty Perspective. See the links in the description for more info on our guests and for our social platforms. Please hit the like and subscribe. If you're listening on iTunes, please give us a good rating. We could not do this without you. Until next time, stay Shifty, shifty, stay shifty. Stay shifty. Stay shifty.